Life can be stressful, even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's Headspace. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research and can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Go to headspace.com slash C-suite for a free one-month trial. Headspace.com slash C-suite. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. This is Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Uh, today, I'm very excited about a very special guest, possibly one of the more, more important uh, futurists of our time today. And then uh, we really do need some people that can look into the future. And his name is James Rickards. Uh, we've interviewed him before, and it was on the road to ruin, the global elite secret plan for the next financial crisis, which I read, fantastic book. And then I was driving around Montana with another friend of mine, and we were listening to Jim on audible.com, and it was like I never read the book. And you can ask Kim, I've been walking around, my, I've now listened to the book 14 complete times, which means it's 14 hours, I believe, times 14. Yeah, I can't talk to you anymore because you've got your headsets on day and night. I look like Mickey Mouse walking around <laughs> with these headsets on. And I'm just listening to what I think one of the most important, not only financial guys, but also futurists. you got to look into the future. So for those of you listening, this is a very important you know, program, especially if you want to see what's coming in the future, which is today. So I'll just give a quick background. The reason I'm absolutely in thrilled with James is because the definition of intelligence is if you agree with me, you're intelligent. And Jim is very intelligent because he says things I've been saying for years with no agreement, with no agreement. You know, stuff like quit your job, get your 401k out of there. You know, you're, gonna, you're getting, you're trapped in this little box. You're about to get hammered. And, you know, Wall Street doesn't like my message. So anyway, I'm very happy to have James Ricketts here. And where my whole education began, I was flying off a carrier in Vietnam for the U.S. Marine Corps. And I was sitting in, my, in the ready room and, you know, the snail mail letter came from my rich dad. And he says, hey, did you know that President Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard last year? And I didn't even know that. It was August 15th, 1971, and I said, what does that mean? What does that mean? And the reason I'm really appreciative of James' books, the books are Currency Wars, The Death of Money, The New Case of Gold, and The Road to Ruin, The Global Elite Secret Plan for the Next Financial Crisis, fills in many of the blanks I could not figure out as I kept asking the question, what does it mean that President Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard? So with that, one of the most important guests we have, and he is forecasting possibly, which I've also said, the biggest financial collapse in world history, possibly. The biggest in history. So be prepared. You know, for those of you who think, you know, tomorrow will be the same as yesterday, I think you're in la-la land. So welcome to the program, Jim. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be with you again. Yeah. So before we scare the you-know-what out of people, (laughs) 
catch you. Give him a, a kind of a little ray of hope because I think you did that for me because I was on suicide watch listening, you know, reading Road to Ruin. And uh, what you you talked this you told the story about the one third one third one third how wealth is really preserved no matter what happens in the economy. So would you mind starting with that? Then we get into what you see coming. Well, uh, thank you, Robert. And uh, I think I can give more than a little ray of hope. Hopefully, I can give a, a very uh, bright, uh, you know, a, a sunshine uh, ray of hope, if you will. Uh, we're, we're not helpless. Uh, we have choices. We make choices. And so, uh, to me, it's all about the choices and understanding history, understanding the dynamics, looking forward, and thinking about how to preserve wealth. And uh, I was once on a, a TV program, uh, and you know, one of the financial networks, and got in a debate with a host, and. I, uh, you know, she was yelling at me about, you know, <laughs> I recommended gold and gold wasn't going up that day. You know, the way everyone has such short attention spans, you say something on a Tuesday and it's not true, it doesn't happen on Wednesday, and somehow you're an idiot because it didn't happen in 24 hours. I was like, well, give it time. But I, I made the distinction between making money and preserving wealth. I said, those are two different things. You basically make money on your talent uh, because you work hard or you're an entrepreneur, you got a pizza parlor, a car dealer, a, a dry cleaner, you're a doctor, lawyer, you're an author, whatever it may be. You make money on your talent, but then when you have it, you have to preserve it. That's a completely different skill, and that's what the, the third, a third, and a third is all about. And I'll, I'll talk specifically uh, what we mean by that, but this came up in a, in, a, in a conversation. I was in a place called Palazzo Colonna. Palazzo Colonna is a private home. It's a, it's a palace, a palazzo in Rome. Uh, and it's interesting for the ultra-rich, you know, it's completely nondescript from the outside. It's kind of got like stucco walls. If you drove by it, it's like boring, brown, old, does not catch your eye at all. But, man, you go through the gates and you get inside into the courtyard and the galleries and the museums and the marble floors and the gold pillars and everything. You've never seen anything like it. And it's, a, it's you know, a, a, an unimaginably... Um, you know, rich environment, priceless art, et cetera. But, but the point is, this palazzo has been in the Colonna family since the 13th century. We're talking 800 years. So this isn't, you know, in the U.S., you know, people talk about the, the new money from Silicon Valley or Wall Street, and then there's the old money. And by, by old money, we mean, you know, the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts and the Astors and some of those, the Whitneys and some of those names. But that money is maybe 100, 150 uh, years old. In the case of the Astors, uh, 200 years old. But here's a family fortune that's been around for 800 years. Uh, and think of what you had to survive to do that. It was not just like a down stock market or something like 1987. I mean, they had uh, they had plagues, they had invasions. They, you know, the uh, the Counter Reformation in the 16th century, the uh, the Thirty Years' War in the 17th century, the wars of Louis the 14th in the 18th century, um, Napoleon in the 19th century, World War One, World War Two, the Holocaust. I mean, think about what you had to survive. And the family is still wealthy, and they still live in this. Um, this palazzo. So I was, I was sitting next to uh, uh, this lady, very uh, very wealthy European, uh, and I, I said, you know, uh, it's one thing to preserve wealth through a business cycle or a couple, a couple hundred years, but how do you do it for 800 years? Uh, how, how do people do it? She just looked at me and she very calmly said, a third, a third, and a third. And I said, okay, what does that mean? She said, one third gold, one third land, one third fine art. And obviously have some cash for day-to-day -day necessities or whatever else you need. There's a cash slice in there. But a third, a third, a third in terms of wealth preservation. And, um, you know, let's just go back to 1620. You know, you're in Bavaria 
early 17th century during the Thirty Years' War, and uh, Wallenstein is two miles away, and he's burning down everything in sight. Uh, and what you can do, you put your gold coins in your pouch, uh, you take your art off the wall, roll it up, stick it in a backpack, uh, get on your horse and ride away. And then once he's done burning everything down and the dust settles, you come back, you should be able to reestablish title to your land. You put your gold coins on the table, you put your art back on the wall, and you're rich. <laughs> everyone, around, everyone around you is wiped out. Um, and I mean, just to bring that down, to, that sounds, uh, gee, what advice can we get from the 18th century but, uh, or 17th century? But uh, think of uh, Cuban-Americans today who were dispossessed by um, uh, Castro in 1959-1960. All their property was taken over. Well, when those people left and came to Miami, a lot of them took the deeds to their houses. You know, they might have had gold, you know, coins stitched in the lining of the clothing. I actually know good friends of mine about my age came over as nine, ten-year-old children uh, in 1960, and they had uh, they had gold coins, um, like I say, in the lining of their clothes. But a lot of them bought their deeds or copies of the deeds or whatever. And I promise you that the, the State Department, in the course of normalizing relations with Cuba, is going to seek justice for those people, and they may get that land back, or at least they'll get fair compensation. But in many cases. We'll get the land back. So that actually works. Now, people say, well, wait a second, Jim. It's the 21st century, the modern age. You know, there's no 30 years' war going on. Well, don't be so sure. I mean, you, you go through history, there are much more periods of collapse, turmoil, war, social breakdown than perhaps we are today. Perhaps we're too complacent. Uh, but, um, you know, when, when I look at the situation with North Korea, and such as war, it's a natural disaster. Let's look at. Uh, uh, I talked to the people in Puerto Rico. You know, one of the biggest, you know, great tragedies in Puerto Rico because of Hurricane Maria, uh, and everyone was, uh, oh, the Jews are short of gasoline, they're short of water, which is true. But you know what the main shortage was? What? Cat, cash. Because when there's no electricity, the ATMs are shut down, the banks mm -hmm. are shut down, and people were going to stores. Now, the shelves were kind of stripped bare, but maybe they had something. But the merchants were saying, well, pay me in cash. I can't use your credit card. I can't take your debit card. I can't process it. There's no telecommunications. By the way, uh, our friend Warren Buffett, you know, famous uh, stock investor, right now he has $100 billion in cash. That's how much cash is on the balance sheet of, uh, of Berkshire Hathaway, his holding company. So why does, if, if everything's good, why does Warren Buffett have $100 billion of cash? Well, he knows that everything's not good. He knows the system is bubbly and prone to collapse. And he's famous for waiting for that to happen and then, like I say, going out and picking up bargains. So, so there's a place for cash as well. Again, this is James Records. I, I would call him right now a futurist. He talks about being a raven. A raven is a Greek, in Greek mythology, is the the bird that can see the future. And I sent Jim pictures of our two ravens that sit on our driveway. And I never knew that, but I just like seeing the future because I was a student of Dr. R. Buckminster Fuller, a futurist. And he was the one that warned me about this time today. And what you say and what Fuller says and what we're seeing coming is what Fuller says, we're going into one of the biggest transformations in world history, not just U.S. history. But in the meantime, everything might come apart. So that's why this James Records, he's a New York Times bestselling author and economist, The Road to Ruin, The Global Elite Secret Plan for the Next Financial Crisis. Please read that book if you want to preserve your wealth. His other book was The New Case for Gold, which my advisors and I studied. The Death of Money, which is absolutely eye-opening and fantastic. And the book I first read was Currency Wars. 
So for those of you out there who are saying, oh, well, I don't, you know, tomorrow's going to be the same as last year, I think you'd better wake up and smell some coffee because when we come back, we'll be talking about why Jim says to have one-third, one-third, one-third. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Do you own an LLC or LP? Are you aware of the new rules? The IRS has mandated new audit rules that require every LLC operating agreement and LP limited partnership agreement be amended. This dramatic requirement has never before been experienced, and changes must be made by December 31st. Corporate Direct, owned by Rich Dad Advisor Garrett Sutton, can guide you through these new rules. Call 800-600-1760. That's 800-600-1760. Or visit CorporateDirect.com. Contact Corporate Direct today to stay in IRS compliance. Log on to RichDadRadio.com while you listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. You can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And to listen to this program again, all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. I personally believe this is the most important person you can listen to today. And again, I said the definition of intelligence is if you agree with me, you're intelligent. And Kim will verify um, everything Jim has been saying, I've been saying is coming also. So I believe we're on the biggest, biggest, biggest precipice of a massive, massive, at least a crash and possibly a collapse. And the way I define a collapse is three crashes in a row with no recovery. And the reason for it is, again, is that Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard in 1971 which allowed everybody to print as much money as they wanted, which is why at Rich Dad we've been saying the rich don't work for money, savers are losers, and instead of getting out of debt, learn to use debt because money is now debt after 1971, but also watch out for that 401k filled with stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs. So with that, our guest again is James Rickards. He's a New York Times bestselling author and economist. His latest book, The Road to Ruin, and Kim will verify it. I've been walking around my house with looking like Mickey Mouse listening to this over, over, and, and, over, over and, and over and over and <laughs> over. And I pick up a couple of things that Jim will say, and I'll just go into it and then research what he said just so I understood it better. So before we go on, Jim, would you mind giving everybody, before we go into the eve of destruction, now that you give them the happy days version of one-third, 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 what caused you to see the world from this point of view? Well, um, my financial education, Robert, kind of started around the age of nine or ten at the uh, at the dinner table. But uh, I, you mentioned uh, being a marine on an aircraft carrier and getting a, me- a letter from uh, from your rich dad. Uh, I had a rich dad, also not financially rich, but rich in wisdom and uh, love and shared experience. And he was a marine. He was in the first marine division, uh, fought in World War II and um, uh, in, in the Pacific. And uh, as part of the occupation of China, and so as a nine-year-old, you know, we were always as little kids. Where it was like, you know, Dad, tell us we want to hear combat stories and everything. He never talked about that. Never talked about the. It was only much later as an adult when I read about 
Peleliu and Okinawa wow. in depth that I understood what he went through. But wow. again, we were we were kids. What do we know? But he would talk about other things, and one of the things he always mentioned was he was in the occupation of China. So really, at the beginning, he actually got a Cold War medal in addition to World War II medals because he was in that was 1940. Um, 46 in China was the beginning of the Cold War. Now, at the time, it was still nationalist Chinese. The communists were on the rise, but they hadn't taken over yet. Chiang Kai-shek and the nationalists were in charge. My father's in the Marines, and they were occupying. They were in a place near Shenzhen. And he said, he told me about the hyperinflation of the nationalist currency. Now, most people are familiar with the Weimar hyperinflation, Weimar Germany in 1922, and walking around with wheelbarrows full of cash and so forth. But and all those stories are true. But my, my father said we had to have wheelbarrows full of uh, Chinese uh, yuan uh, to go down and get a case of beer for the barracks because, uh, because that's what it was. So I learned about hyperinflation from my father, who had experienced it firsthand. And the other thing my father did, he always carried a $20 silver certificate in his wallet. And I guess that little nine-year-old kid, he'd pull out two $20 bills, he'd put them down in front of me, and he'd say, read this. What does it say? And I would say, well, silver certificate. He said, read this. There'll be a new one. And he said, what does it say? I said, Federal Reserve note. And he would slam his hand on the table and say, that is not backed by anything. And he would make the point that in the day you could take the the silver certificate into a bank and they would give you silver. They would give you 20 20 ounces of silver, 20 uh, $1 silver dollars for – imagine getting 20 ounces of pure silver for a $20 bill today. I mean, good luck with that. You You get one ounce if you're lucky. Um, but uh, so I learned about hyperinflation. I learned about uh, gold standard and silver standard and uh, fiat money as a nine or ten year old for my father. Now I probably put that you know on the back of my mind and then went through you know college and graduate school and law school and had a long career on Wall Street and worked in derivatives and hedge funds and that was all the the paper and the leverage and the contracts and I was expert in all that. I mean I I invented uh, along with another guy the the uh, sovereign uh, credit default swap market. We did the first one when I was Jeez. at long-term capital management in 1994, even before. So, uh, was your father did, disappointed in you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was. He was. Well, the one thing he did ask me because because I, I went to college, then I went to graduate school, got a degree in international economics, then I went to law school, but then I went to graduate law school specializing in taxation, LLM, Master of Laws in Taxation for NYU. So I was about 30. He's like, when are you going to get a job? You know, keep going to school. But, uh, but eventually I did. I settled into banking and investment banking and hedge funds and all that. But uh, the other thing about, uh, just to kind of bring it back to the education for a second, Robert, I, went, I did graduate school in international economics. I was class of 74. I was the last class that was taught gold as a monetary asset because you know wow. Nixon went off the gold standard in 1971 that's right but it wasn't the end of the gold standard it was the end of gold convertibility for dollar holders true but the gold standard kind of stumbled and bumbled around for a couple more years the French wanted to return to it they thought that it was a temporary suspension and they would devalue the dollar and go back to gold at a new valuation exactly what FDR had done in 1933, the Bank of England did in uh, 1931, but they never got back to it. They just, you know, Milton Friedman came up with this floating currencies and all this stuff, and then the one by one the world uh, abandoned gold. But when I was in grad school, it was still a monetary asset. Uh, you still had to give gold to join the IMF, and I studied it, and then that's it. They just stopped teaching it. So I, I tell people, if you're younger than I am and you know anything about gold, uh, you either uh, you're either self-taught or you went to mining college because the, the universities just stopped teaching it. 
it's not taught anymore. You can't find an American, um, you know, under, let's say, the age of 60 who uh, thinks that gold is a, is a valuable financial asset or it has a monetary role and they'll give you all the usual arguments, barbarous relic and all that stuff, all of which, by the way, I demolish in my book, The New Case for Gold. I, I, I just got so tired of hearing these arguments. I Me said, too. I, I got to just take them one by one and shoot them down, and that, that's yeah. what I did in the book. So that's a little bit of my monetary uh, background. Fantastic. Well, once again, this is Robert Kiyosaki of the Rich Day Radio Show. Probably the most important guest of our times. Again, I call him the raven now because the raven can see the future. And I was a student of Dr. Arbuck, Mr. Fuller, also a futurist. And he's saying the same thing that Jim is saying, that we're on the eve of destruction now, not tomorrow, not next week, but now. And all for the same reasons, what Jim calls the global elites, so we're here right now. His books are The Road to Ruin. Please get that book and read it. His other book is The New Case for Goal, April 2016. Please get that book. And The Death of Money, that is a very powerful book. And also his first book, Currency Wars, is where I first came across Jim. Why are we on the eve of destruction now? Well, uh, what I use to analyze this, Robert, when I say things like this, by the way, I, I think you know me well enough. I never make a claim without backing it up. I'll say Oh, my God. That... Wait, Jim, I've never met a man who backed <laughs> up more than you. That's why I walk around with Mickey Mouse ears on all the time, so listening to everything you said, because you back it up. That's And I was kind of guessing in large chunks, so I appreciate what you've done in backing it up. Yeah, and the, and the Road to Ruin has 155 endnotes. You don't have to read them. They're in the back, but they're there if you want them. And they're not, those endnotes are not to, you know, fringe uh, conspiracy websites or whatever. It's IMF documents, Treasury documents, United Nations documents, et cetera. So it's all there. You can skip them if you want, but if you want to drill down, it, it's all there. But I use um, a couple scientific disciplines to make my forecast, as did Buckminster Fuller and uh, Alvin Toffler and other uh, right. noted futurists. Um, and I, one of the main ones I use is complexity theory. I, I use three others, a Bayes theorem, which is a branch of applied mathematics, um, behavioral psychology, and history. But the, the one uh, I'll, I'll talk about right now is complexity theory. Now, there's nothing new about complexity theory. It was invented or discovered in the 1960s, and it may be relatively new in the history of science, but you know, okay, it's been around uh, you know, almost uh, 60 years at this point. Uh, I didn't invent it, but I'm one of the pioneers, not the only one, but one of the pioneers in taking complexity theory and bringing it into capital markets where it is not widely used. It's used in you know, earthquake science, forest fire management, you know, cosmology, many, many other fields. But you also There's talk about of... you work with the CIA because they have to use it because they can't depend upon the past. They have to be able to see the future. Is that correct? Correct. I was tapped by the CIA to come in and help them after 9-11 uh, because there was, I think it's well known, I talk about this in my book, The, the Death of Money, uh, there was insider trading ahead of 9-11. Clearly, there was a large group that knew about the attack, um, in addition to just the, the terrorist attackers themselves. And um, the, uh, the last two trading days before 9-11, in buying put options, and when you buy a put option, it's a bet that the stock's going to go down, the, uh, the volume of put options on American Airlines and United Airlines was 286 times the average daily volume in those stocks. So it's like a guy who orders a tuna sandwich every day for lunch, and then one day he orders 286 tuna sandwiches. <laughs> you know that something's wow. up, right? Yeah, that, that's not the normal lunch order. Can I just interrupt? What, what, when you say they, who, who's they? You said people had insider trading. It's a good question, Tim. It's, uh, Kim, it's a good question, Kim. It's, uh, 
these are these are terrorist associates. So look, nobody works in isolation. Because uh, uh, I, when I first started bringing this up at the CIA, I encountered a lot of skepticism. They said, "Oh well, they would never compromise operational security by uh, uh, you know trading stocks ahead of the attack." I said, "Wait a second. Nobody's saying that Mohammed Atta stopped off at Charles Schwab on his way to Logan Airport to hijack a plane. That that didn't happen. But everybody has a mother, father, sister, brother. You have a Who wants driver, to make a few dollars." safe house operator exactly and uh people cannot there's something about human nature that cannot resist the sure thing so the attack was known in the social network of the terrorists and that's documented in the 9-11 commission report which i read cover to cover including the end notes uh and then they say well nobody would do that um and i say i have a two-word answer for that martha stewart <laughs> martha stewart was a legitimate billionaire martha yeah. stewart made a billion dollars yeah. legitimately yeah. through hard work and she ended up behind bars on a hundred thousand dollar stock trade, so on a tip better, from Sam Waxel, right? I mean, you know, like, give me a break here. Exactly. So, what what better I evidence? Drove her to do that, yeah. Yeah, and you're she a goes billionaire. To jail. So, yeah. why would you go to jail for a hundred yeah. grand when you're a billionaire? The answer is because people can't resist the sure thing, and that's what leads people mm-hmm. to do it. And you know, a five thousand dollar option trade with ten to one leverage, you can make fifty thousand dollars. That's a lot of money to a, a safe house operator or a cook, but and people. People say, well, why was it, you know, 286 times average daily volume? That's a a big number. And the SEC and the FBI never got to the bottom of it, or at least they never admitted it in the 9-11 Commission report. And the answer is something which I identify, I call signal amplification. So the terrorist is going to do like a 5,000 share lot or whatever. Okay, but but the specialist sees the order. So the market's up, airlines are up, the sector's up, but somebody's buying puts. They don't know you're a terrorist, but they say, you know something I don't. So I'll buy some from my own account. I'll buy 10000 from my own account. Then some upstairs trader at a hedge fund says, huh, 15000 just across the tape. I'll buy fifty. Somebody else says, I'll buy 100 So by the end of the day, you know, you've traded a million shares, 98% of which are completely legitimate. It's just people piggybacking on the original trade. But, uh, but the problem is when the SEC investigated – they, I mean, they're not intelligence analysts and they're not mathematicians, they're cops, right? And what I did at the CIA, they said, well, uh, okay, so if that happened, which it did, if there were going to be another spectacular terrorist attack, would there be insider trading? Could you spot it? Could you trace it to the source, get a FISA warrant, break down the door, stop the attack, and save lives? And the answer was, we did a two-year strategic study answering those questions, and the answer was yes, 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 and yes. Yeah, so this, you know, that's why everybody, this is James Records. I think he is the most important futurist economist, smart guy. You can listen to it right now. He's a New York Times bestselling author. His book is called The Road to Ruin. He talks about the uh, put option as the choice of terrorists in the death of money and why the U.S. dollar is going to die soon, and the economy may all come down all at one time. And we'll find out why that's going to happen. Hopefully it won't happen, but why we're on the eve of destruction right now. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Thanks for tuning in to The Rich Dad Radio Show. If you like what you're hearing... Go to iTunes or Android, subscribe to the show, and leave a rating and review to help other financially-minded people like you find the Rich Dad Radio Show. Thanks for tuning in, and keep on learning. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. 
Once again, you can listen to this program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them so you can listen to this again, so you can pick up things you might have missed the first time. But more importantly, you can talk to your friends, family, and business partners and listen to this program, especially with James Records, and discuss it. Because we started the program with kind of the good news, the one-third, the one-third, one-third. Now, if you missed that, go to richdadradio.com and re-listen to this whole thing because now we're going to go into why this baby is coming down. And um, you're back in 2000, actually, actually 1999, I started writing a book called Rich Dad's Prophecy, and I was calling for the crash to hit on 2016. And it didn't happen. I never understood why it didn't happen because the stock market kept going up. And when I read James Rickard's book, Currency Wars, number one, number two, the death of money, please get that book. Three, the new case of gold, case for gold. And the road to ruin, his latest book, The Global Elite Secret Plan for the Next Financial Crisis. You will better understand why we're on the eve of destruction right now. So in reading James's book, the road to ruin and the death of money and the new case of gold, I understand why my forecast, which came from Dr. R. Buckminster Fuller about the 2016 crash, was what Jim calls it, it was truncated. I mean, the elites or the grunge or the people that control the system just stopped, just stopped the collapse from coming. Is that correct, Jim? That's correct. In other words, uh, th- but it's happened uh, twice already, Robert. One was 1998, and the other one was 2008. Now, there have been other crashes, you know, October 19th, 1987, the stock market fell 22% in one day. By the way, in, from today's Dow level, Dow Jones, 22,000, a 22% decline would be 4,000 Dow points, not 400, 4,000. If, if the Dow fell 400 points, it would be every headline in the world. Well, imagine 4,000 points. That is what happened on uh, October 19, 1987, in percentage terms. 1998, we were hours away from shutting every market in the world, but Wall Street bailed out the hedge fund, long-term capital. In 2008, we were hours, if not days, away from every bank in the world failing, but the central banks bailed out Wall Street. So both times, the, the collapse that you're talking about, that I'm talking about, was underway. It was happening... And but for government uh, truncation, government intervention to stop it, um, it would have played out exactly as, as we've described. Now, the problem is the government intervention is not cost-free. It comes with a very large cost, which is that each crisis gets bigger than the one before, because all you do is you, you lock the system in place, you don't clean out the rot, you don't clean up the balance sheets, you don't get rid of the bad paper, you let it sit there, and then you let it grow, and then the next crisis comes, and it's bigger than the one before. The problem is we're now at the point where, again, 98, you know, Wall Street bails out a hedge fund, 2008, central banks bail out Wall Street. Next time, who's going to bail out the central banks? And, the and Jim, no, and Jim nobody. that's the question I'm asking because we talked to some friends of ours and we talk about this coming, and they're like, oh, no, no problem. The government will just bail us out again. And you're saying that's not going to be the case. That, right. And there's a reason for it, Kim, which is that, okay, what did the Federal Reserve do the last time to bail it out? Well, they took their, they did two things. They cut interest rates to zero, kept them there for six years. And then they increased their balance sheet from $800 billion to $4.5 trillion. 
Here's the problem. If somehow they had normalized, so interest rates were back to 2-3%, the balance sheet was back to $800 billion, or even a trillion, let's say, I'd say, hey, nice going, guys. You know, you saved the world. You normalized your balance sheet. You're ready for the next time. But that did not happen. They have not normalized interest rates. They have not normalized the balance sheet. Okay, interest rates have gone up to 1%, but uh, it's, it, you need 3 or 400 basis points, 3 or 4% of cuts to get out of a recession. Well, you can't cut 3% if you're only at 1%. Same thing with the balance sheet. Okay, they started the normalization literally just a couple of days ago, October 1st, but um, they're still over $4 trillion. They're no, nowhere near. It's going to take years to get down to where they should be. So the point is, if the crisis happened tomorrow or even six months from now or next year, they don't have the capacity to cut rates and print money the way they did the last time because they used it up and never normalized. So, and so, so that, that's the point. Yeah, so um, as I was watching the stock market, it kept going up. The reason, as you say in your book, The Road to Ruin and especially The Death of Money, is because the savers had no place else to go because there was no interest rates. They left the banks and went into Wall Street, which jacked up the price of stocks. Now everybody is set up. So it didn't happen because the stock market kept going up. So what happened? You, you talked about there's three things that make well, you know, one are treasuries, which are you know U.S. debt, gold, and then reserve currencies like the euro, the dollar, Swiss francs. But something happened on October 15, 2014, that you you said was earth shattering. What happened on that day? There was a flash crash in Treasury yields. Now, uh, just that's, to be, that's U.S. debt. Uh, that U.S. Treasuries, exactly. U.S. Treasury notes. Uh, it was in the uh, in the ten-year Treasury note. Now, um, bond math. The way it works, Robert, is yields and prices are inverse. So, if, if interest rates are coming down, prices are going up. So, this was not a crash in prices. It was a crash in yields. But the point is, within literally 30 minutes it dropped about 60 basis points. Now, that's something, that's a move that usually takes like six months or a year in a volatile market. Sometimes you go two years without seeing those kinds of moves. But this happened literally in a matter of minutes. And the reason it happened is not because uh, there was some news flash or uh, everybody changed their mind. It was because of automation. It was because uh, people set up these computerized stop losses. So it says, well, if it goes down a little bit, I automatically want to sell. Well, you sell, it goes down more, somebody else sells. and They keep hitting all these triggers. There are technical names for it. But it's the same thing that happened in the bond market as happened in the stock market October 19, 1987, which we talked about earlier. And there's also another uh, flash crash uh, May uh, 2006. So May 10, 2006. So um, the point uh, – sorry, uh, 2010. Uh, uh, but the point is these things keep happening. They're scary when they happen. People investigate them. They can't get to the bottom of it. And the answer is it's all pre-programmed. It's, it's like gremlins, but it's exactly like what we talked about earlier. The, yeah. the let me ask you this. Was it, why, I wasn't watching the bond market because we don't really understand it. But why was the bond market much more more significant to you than the stock market, that flash crash? Well, because, uh, first of all, the bond market is a lot larger. It's a lot, people are surprised to hear that. They go to the stock market and say, yeah, well, it's not as big as the U.S. Treasury market, and it's not as important as the U.S. Treasury market, and uh, countries around the world with trillions of dollars of savings uh, invest those savings in Treasury bonds, as do a lot of individual Americans. So you shut down that bond market, you're talking about shutting down the entire global financial system, because that's how important it is. So to see that happen and see the Treasury have a special commission, they issued a special report, 
they described what happened, but they couldn't really explain what happened. And so what, what they said is, this could happen again. Right. So what you're saying, these are the four shocks. Like the, you know, like I grew up in Hawaii where there's always earthquakes. So there were four shocks. Then comes the big shocks. Then come the aftershocks. Right. But That's so that four, what you're saying, the four shocks are now increasing. Is that what you're saying? That's right. And, and you know, the stock, the stock market flash crash, the bond market flash crash, we had a currency flash crash. Uh, on January 15, 2015, the euro fell 20% against the Swiss franc in 20 minutes. 20% in 20 minutes. These are two major currencies. These are supposed to be money that represents stores of value. Why is one crashing 20% against the other? In tw- not, not in a week or a month, but in 20 minutes. So we've seen flash crashes in every major market, bonds, stocks, currencies, commodities, etc. cetera. Uh, and um, they're all warnings. These are warnings to us saying, you know, this market is unstable. These gremlins, if you will, they're embedded in all this computer code. Nobody can untangle it. Nobody can see it coming. One day, sooner than later, it's going to start, and it's not going to stop in a half hour, an hour. It's going to keep going. It's going to spread through contagion exactly the way disease spreads. Um, it's going to grow exponentially, and it's going to spin out of control in ways that central banks can't stop. So, My question for investors is, are you prepared for that? Right, and that's what we've had Rich Dad. I mean, not to ride your coattail, but that's what we've been saying for years and years, which is why I wrote Rich Dad's Prophecy but I thought it was at the stock market. The question is this, you know, which, I, which you answered for me in the book, is why do people keep doing it? You know, why do the rich have to keep doing this at the expense of all the other people? And you call it parasitic. That is correct. And, you know, uh, you go to Wall Street and or the central banks, for that matter, acad- academia, and say, well, how do you measure risk? And they'll tell you that we have these what they call value at risk. We assume risk is normally distributed. That's the famous bell curve. We use regret. They have all the science, right? Well, I've studied it all. I understand it. I understand the math. And it's it's junk science, meaning it all works internally, but it does not describe the real world. It's not an actual reflection of risk. It's just a self-contained um, uh, model, a closed model. Now, here's the point, and I, and I use different models, and we talked about those, but my point is, well, what's the matter with these people? Are they dumb? Well, no, they're not dumb. They've got like 160 IQs. I know a lot of them. Uh, are, they, uh, are they stupid? Are they? No. The point is, they actually know this doesn't work, but they have no interest in fixing it because they make money out of it. If you had a proper measure of risk, you would never do what they're doing. So what they do is they say, let's have a flawed measure of risk that allows us to take a lot more leverage, make bigger bets, make more money. We personally will get paid bonuses. We'll take our money and go buy, you know, they're not investing in the stock market. They're buying yachts and houses on Nantucket and real estate and gold. Every billionaire I know in Greenwich has got gold. I mean, they won't talk about it publicly, but they're buying physical gold. They're, le- they're relying on the suckers to, you know, kind of load up your 401ks with stocks, etc. And so the point being, whether they actually know what works or not, they know that what they have doesn't work, but they stick with it because they personally make money. That's parasitic behavior. You're not See, I have no problem with, with Bill Gates being worth $50 billion because he created value. He created more value than he took out of the system. But our bankers on Wall Street, they don't create value. They destroy value, but they still suck your drive. So they're, 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 they're not creators. They're parasites. So Kim and I have been taking evasive action today. We have tons of gold because we've been sort of save. We don't save dollars. We save gold. We have no stocks. We're not in 401ks or anything. But also you warned us about banks. What is your warning about saving money in banks? 
Well, the problem with bank, look, to some extent, you're, you're kind of, if you have cash at all, I mean, let's, you know, if you, you can pile up physical currency, but then, you know, you'll get a, uh, even if you're a totally honest, uh, law-abiding, uh, tax-paying citizen, they'll still report you to the Treasury on a currency transaction report, et cetera. People think they can get their cash out of the banks, and, but but just try it. You know, you'll get the... We have tried. Peri- it's hard to get you, It's hard to get, get your money You'll get the from the yep. tower. They'll say, come yep. back tomorrow, et cetera. So you end up having some of your cash in the banks, but keep it under the insured amount, which is 250000 dollars per account. You can open multiple accounts if you have more than that at different banks. But uh, but what I do is, you know, I keep enough cash for, you know, whatever I need, you know, pay your taxes and pay your bills and uh, take a trip or whatever. But then uh, I'll put it in, um, whether it's real estate, gold, silver, fine art, all the things, all the things I talk about, I actually do. I also, I own stocks, but they're not publicly traded stocks. I own private equity, uh, startup companies, tech companies, companies where I know the owner, I have a paper contract, I'm not relying on some digital, uh, you know, depository trust company or whatever. So there's room for entrepreneurship and stock investing, but I invest in private companies because they're the ones I know. Which is one thing you also said was something about anything that was digital or crypto and all that stuff. You want something that's, as that woman said in uh, Kelowna, things that last. Correct. Um, And that's where, uh, again, if I buy... If you buy private equity, you actually have you have a paper contract. I can get on my bicycle and go see the owner. I don't need electricity right. or transportation or, or or bank payment system right. to to track my investment. Right. And so, what about fake gold? That's see, that's the thing I've been talking to people for years. That's real gold and fake gold. Yeah. Well, I buy um, uh, I buy American Gold Eagles. Uh, they're from the U.S. Mint. I have a reputable dealer. Um, so you you do have to take precautions, but. Uh, uh, I, let's put it this way: I would not buy a, a kilogram bar on eBay. What about GLD, a gold ETF? Well, I don't buy any paper gold. I, that's a, a gold ETF. Uh, look, here's here's the problem with paper gold, Robert. When you most want it, when when the price is screaming, it's going up the way I've described, and you most want your gold. You're going to find that all those paper contracts are being terminated, and they'll send you a check. They won't steal your money but they'll send you a check for yesterday's closing price. And you'll say, wait a second, I want today's price. I want tomorrow's price. That's why I bought it. We'll say too bad, because they don't have the physical gold to back it up. Which, so, is, which is kind of what the fractional reserve system is, is that they can sell you stuff they don't even have. That's exactly right. And how much leverage is there, you think, on gold? I mean, if there's one ounce of gold, how well, much easily. Yeah, easily 100 to 1. When you take um, uh, what are called unallocated gold forward contracts from London Bullion Markets Association banks, they're the big gold dealers, you know, Goldman Sachs and Citibank and a few uh, HSBC and a few others, plus the gold futures contracts on the, on the uh, COMEX, uh, part of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, uh, plus uh, gold options, gold ETFs, et cetera, and you say, okay, how much physical gold is there to back up all that paper gold? The answer is it's probably leveraged 100 to 1. Well, and, it's, and, it's, oh. and it's declining, isn't it? And the amount of gold that they can leverage off of it, real gold yeah. is di- disappearing. Yeah, I got back from uh, – I was in Switzerland recently, and I meet – you know, when I go to Switzerland, I don't talk to the bankers. I talk to people who handle physical gold. They're refiners. And what they tell me is that customers are taking their gold out of the banks, so UBS and Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank, and they're moving it over to Loomis and Brinks. Now you say, oh, so you take, a, you take a gold bar from here and you put it over there. What's the difference? Well, the difference is that if it's in the banking system, 
it's part of what's called the floating supply that can be used to leverage and manipulate the price of gold. But if you put it in a private vault, it's no longer in the floating supply. It's still gold. It's your gold. But that cannot be pledged or leased or hypothecated or used to uh, to create this gold inverted gold pyramid. So, so the same amount of gold is there, but the floating supply is shrinking. The private supply is growing, which means you have more and more paper gold on less and less physical gold. So this inverted pyramid is getting more unstable. It's going to tip over. You know, could be uh, could be any day. And which is what you also said that China has now rebalanced into real gold, right? Correct. They're they're uh, they're on the physical side of it. Uh, they they officially acknowledge 1,800 tons. But uh, I'm certain they have far more than that based on uh, Hong Kong export records, Swiss export records, uh, geological surveys, Chinese mining output. There's enough hard information to form an estimate that they actually have uh, significantly more. No one knows the exact amount, but you know, four to 5,000 tons versus the 2,000 or 1,800 tons they report uh, is a reasonable estimate. Yeah. So, and Jim, Jim we're, you, we're totally out of time, wait, but, wait, wait, uh, I got but a Kim, has, I got a question. Kim is I got crawling a question. on me right now. I got a question. You, well, you asked, Jim, you asked our listeners, you know, are you prepared? So what if, if they're not, what are, like, a couple things that they could do immediately to help be prepared? Uh, I, would, I would take 10% of my investable assets and put it in gold. When I say investable assets, do not include your home equity because, you know, don't bet your house. <laughs> Do not include your business equity. So, like, if you're a car dealer or a dry cleaner, put that to one side. That's your livelihood. Whatever's left, once you take your home equity and your business equity out, whatever's left, those are your investable assets. Take 10% of that, put it in physical gold, put it in a safe place, not a bank, uh, and that will serve you well. Perfect. So, Jim, uh, I really, 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 really appreciate your diligence and your professionalism and your filling in the blanks for us. So if, if I could be so bold to ask you to come back again, would that be possible? I would love to, Robert. Uh, always a pleasure to be with you and Kim. Yeah, it's fantastic because you fill in so many of the blanks that I, I was uh, guessing at. So anyway, thank you, Jim. And, thank uh, you, Jim. Until the next time. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks so much. So we come back. We're going to our most popular part of our program, which is Ask Robert. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. And now, the Rich Dad Radio Show and the Rich Dad Company voicemail box are proud to present Rich Dad's number one fans. You so You Rich Dad's number one fans. Do you own an LLC or LP? Are you aware of the new rules? The IRS has mandated new audit rules that require every LLC operating agreement and LP limited partnership agreement be amended. This dramatic requirement has never before been experienced and changes must be made by December 31st. Corporate Direct, owned by Rich Dad Advisor Garrett Sutton, can guide you through these new rules. Call 800-600-1760. That's 800-600-1760. Or visit CorporateDirect.com. Contact Corporate Direct today to stay in IRS compliance. Financial freedom begins with financial education. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. 
Welcome back. Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Once again, they can listen to this program anytime, anywhere on iTunes and Android. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com so that you can listen to this program again because there was a load of information on there. Once again, thanks to James Rickards. He's a New York Times bestselling author. Please get his books, read them and study them. The Road to Ruin, The Global Elite's Secret Plan for the Next Financial Crisis, The New Case for Gold, The Death of Money, and Currency Wars. His website is jamesrickardsproject.com, jamesrickardsproject.com. And please, you know, read the book. And what I do is after I read the book, I go to audible.com and I listen to it over and over and over again until I understand it because we are on the eve of destruction. So anyway, thank you to Jim's records. So Melissa, what's the first question for us, Robert? Well, you know, Robert, one thing, uh, one of the questions that we often get, we get it many, many times, I'm sure you and Kim hear it, is why did the two of you start and found the Rich Dad Company? Is it is it the reasons that Jim talks about? Exactly, thank you for that question. Because what happened in 1983, I was studying with futurist Dr. R. Buck, Mr. Fuller, also Alvin Toffler, who uh, records mentioned, but also notice his father was a Marine. And they, we saw things happening in the real world that La La Land in America does not see. So Fuller died in 1983, July 1st, and posthumously, his book, Grunch of Giants, came out. And grunch is the same thing as global elites. It's how we're ripped off by the richest people in the world. And when I read uh, Grunch in 1983, I said, I can't sit here and be in rock and roll anymore. I was in a rock and roll business. And I said, my conscience cannot, will not allow me to sit still. And I said, I gotta do something. And I sold my company in Honolulu and I was ready to take a leap, and then I met Kim. And I really, you know, I'm not really religious, but I think God sent me the perfect person when I was ready to get on with what I'm supposed to do. Because I believe all of us have a special God-given talent and a God-given purpose. And I said to Kim, I don't know what's gonna happen, but we can't just sit here and do nothing. Because Fuller talked about around the year 2000, he predicted AI, which is artificial intelligence, UI, which is universal income, but most importantly, the collapse of the current world economic system. It's collapsing now. We're right in the middle of it. But for years, it was really tough talking to people about why mutual funds suck, why you shouldn't have a 401k, how to use debt because the US dollar is debt, why savers are losers, you know, why most of the people giving you financial advice are crooks, charlatans, and conmen. It's been hard. So when I came across James Ricketts' books, Currency Wars, I said, man, I get this guy. He gets me, we understand. And when I read the, all of his books, he's saying exactly everything that Fuller said. Because what, what, what Ricketts is, is a futurist, the raven. And if you ever come to our house, we have two ravens sitting in the front of our house. And we didn't know that. We, it just sits there, because I want to know the future so I can prepare for it. Unfortunately, the future is today. Any comments, Kim? Well, I just want to say about this show with James Rickards, and we talk about repetition, and I would listen to this show again and again. He truly is a fire hose of information, and there was so much that we covered in just that short period of time. That's three 10-minute sections. Yeah, 
and you've been studying this one book, The Road to Ruin, for, I don't know, what, 14 times on 14 audio hours, 14 <laughs> times. I look like Mickey Mouse walking around the house with his ears <laughs> on my head. But, you know, a lot of, and what you say, too, a lot of what he's talking about in terms of how to prepare, we've been doing. I remember buying Since silver when, in 1985, we started buying silver when we were living in La Jolla, California, and stacking it in our closet. And um, to this day, we buy gold, we buy silver, uh, we, we buy. A, money. We have a lot of land, so we we do our best to be prepared. I I personally, I hope this never comes to fruition, but it's certainly looking like it's a very serious possibility. And there's certain things that you can do right now to get yourself prepared. Yeah, and and he says in the road to ruin, this guy raises his hand and he says exactly the same thing. I would have said this guy raises his hand. In a seminar in New York, he says, well, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always get this pushback from these educated people. Well, you know, da, 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 da. the guy says, well, I have a job, you know, and I have a 401k and all that. What should I do? And Rickard says, quit your job. You know, get out now. And the thing I loved about the road to ruin, he always talks about from, I think it's Vonnegut, Cat's Cradle or something. Nice, nice. So very nice. All these different people trapped in the same device. And when you look at the cash flow game, that's the rat race. All these highly educated people who went to school and all that, they drank the Kool-Aid, they have job security, they're saving money, they have a 401k, they're getting out of debt and listening to other people, I won't mention the names. That's the people, those are the people records are saying, nice, nice, so very nice. All these different people trapped in the same device. That's the shrinking middle class. They're getting hammered right now, but they're hanging on to this illusion or belief that they're highly educated, and that's the trap. And James said, you know, people have such a short attention span, and the silly argument that people give about gold and silver, and, oh, I'm not gonna buy, sil silver went down yesterday, why should I buy it? Or gold went down yesterday, and over the, you know, over the year, it, it's not doing very well, and it's not making a lot of money, and it's not, there's not a lot of upside, and it, that, what's not what we're talking about? <laughs> we're so not just, talking about this short-term thinking. FYI is that I bought my first piece, I was trying to buy my first piece of gold in 72 in Vietnam behind enemy lines, it was unsuccessful, but anyway, uh, my first piece of gold was less than $100. I still have a piece of gold. Today we're $1,500. Meanwhile, the dollar has shrunk by 95%. So all you savers out there, wake up. You're the biggest losers on planet Earth because what Brickers is saying is what the government is doing right now with the elites is they need to destroy the dollar. In other words, they need to make the value of the dollar come down so far so they can pay off approximately 1.2 quadrillion in global debt. So they're going to destroy the dollar while you're still going to the bank saving a little pittance there. Look, savers are losers. The moment you can understand that, that's what the book, my book Second Chance was about, if you can wake up and smell the coffee there, when you see it by saving money and rich dad's lesson number one is the rich don't work for money, and I use debt to get rich, which is why the rich are getting richer. I use a team, which is more important than money. This is what the rich dad company was founded for, was this time. It began in 1983, and it came in 1984. We practice what we preach. So I think, you know, thank you all are wondering why we formed this company. We don't sell real estate, and we don't sell stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. So you can submit your questions once more to Ask Robert at richdadradio.com. 
great thanks to James Ricketts. Please get his books, and thank you for listening.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.